Hey, is it Saturday yet? Not so fast, my friend. <laughs> A podcast presented by Student Union Sports. What is up, everybody, and welcome into Is It Saturday Yet? Unfortunately, as I always say, it's not Saturday. It's probably Thursday, maybe Friday, maybe even Saturday morning when you're listening to this. But as always, presented by Student Union Sports, I'm Luke Owens, joined by Big Hoppa, Andrew Diaz, Liam Smith behind the scenes, cutting things up for us. And off the bat, Hop, not going to put you on blast, but 30 minutes late to the pod, not ideal. Also comes in nude at least from the waist up not sure about the waist down but from the waist up hop is in the nude i've never had a worse fall i've never had a worse fall in football Appalachian state three and three currently losing to georgia state at home as we record this on wednesday night the packers bad the badgers bad so i decided no more repping teams on the podcast this is my cersei lannister shame moment I will not record the podcast wearing a shirt until my three teams app, the Packers and Badgers sweep a weekend together. Wow. That's huge. And if you refer to uh, the whiteboard behind Diaz, you'll see your Mm -hmm. record on picks this year. Uh, Great, Bob. So we got to turn the juju around. I, I bought a small, um, a small figurine. It's a gnome that with a sign that says touchdown. So I got I'm I'm pulling out all the stops. Uh, Diaz, glad good to see you, buddy. Glad you're wearing clothes. You know, maybe Thank not. You. Maybe people want to see see the shirtless Diaz. But uh, big I'm not wearing weekend. pants right now. That I, I'm there. We go. I'm, I'm nude <laughs> underneath the sweatshirt style. I like it. Um, we've got a ton to get into. You know, we'll kind of start by touching on what happened last week. But kind of, I want to kind of. Parallel into the future, you know, what do these games mean for the college football playoff, for conference races, um, things like that. And we've got to start with the potential game of the year. Tennessee, 52, Alabama, 49. The uprights left the stadium. And Tennessee, a team that Diaz, we've talked about over and over again. I'm not going to put you in that corner again. We know why you hate Tennessee at this point. Um, But a huge win. And even if you hate Tennessee, you have to admit that was an awesome moment. Oh, that. They're fun to root for. I mean, there, there's no doubt about that, especially uh, watching Alabama fans cry on Twitter. Like, I I, I saw a couple of them, uh, you know, complaining about the refs. I find that to just to be so rich and awesome to, to see. So that made it even more fun to watch Tennessee win. And, you know, like you said, I mean, the, unless we get another game, maybe this week we could get one um, out of the Big 12 or ACC. Um but or conference championship weekend, I don't think any game is going to match the intensity of of that Alabama Tennessee game, and you know it, it kind of makes the case for a couple uh, for a player to win the Heisman like Hendon Hooker, and that that's a Heisman moment right there. Playing, you know, Bama is ranked six, but they're still probably one of the three best or four best teams in the country. So for you to for Hooker to do what he did to put up five passing touchdowns was was pretty amazing and, and yeah it just overall fun to watch if you're a college football fan no matter who you root for you had a blast watching that game i mean what an incredible game that is i was wrong i said that it might not be the most entertaining game of, of the week but it was going to be the most important and i'll tell you what it was both insane game i mean you just if if you're a college football fan that's what you like you like to see points. You like to see big offense. You like to see a couple defensive plays mixed in there. Um, and, you know, I, I said it on Twitter, but number 47, the guy who blocked the game, what ended up being the game winning kick, you got to catch the ball. You just got to catch it and run it back and score. You, you could have ended the game. You just got to get a little bit bigger, a little bit taller. And Alabama wins this game, goes into Knoxville with a close uh, uh, mustache shaving win. No, I'm kidding. Uprights leave the stadium. It was absolutely electric. I mean, it was awesome. It was like one of those things where it felt like all of college football Twitter was at the same time, like slowly getting the videos as the uprights leave the stadium. It was like, it was awesome. You see it. You see him going down and then you see him in the tunnel 
And then you see him on the streets, and then finally you get the videos in the river all over like a 45-minute span. While this is going on, there are still more great college football games going on. So it was awesome. But, yeah, I mean, uh, Hyatt, I mean, that is the, that's the Randy Moss touch, uh, graphic, the three catches, 140 yards, three touchdowns on steroids. I mean, six, uh, 200 yards, and five touchdowns? You got to be kidding me. I mean, I – you know, sometimes I'll tell a little story. My mother-in-law, she gets she gets upset because I'll yell at the TV and I'll say, come on, you got to figure it out. And, you know, it's a little bit more colorful language than that as well. And she's like, you know, she gets on my case a little bit. Does she if, call you Big Hoppa? No, she doesn't. No. She goes, Bryce, if you think you know all this, why aren't you out there doing it? And it's like, well, I don't know. It's probably because I'm 5'9", 215, but that... I could still go out and execute. It just wouldn't be on the same level. And obviously, as we can see from the camera, it doesn't look as good as the product on the field. So, <laughs> so either way, I mean, it was, it was just awesome. I mean, so many good moments in that game lived up to the hype. I mean, there's just, you could go on and on and on and on. Yeah. And this opens up a really interesting scenario and, you know, Diaz and Hop were kind of both going at it in the group chat. I was kind of in and out. Um, throughout it because i was like oh man this is going to be something that i want to really dive into on the show and that's kind of the conversation of how this could play out down the stretch because you know yeah tennessee huge win they've still got to play georgia they've still got to play kentucky like they've got some tough games on the stretch um yeah. alabama all they have to do is beat Ole miss and they'll be in the sec championship not that that's a, a pushover but you have to assume alabama is going to find themselves there and that opens up this big can of worms and that's what in the world happens because i think a one loss I'll say Tennessee. I don't know. Maybe it's Georgia, but one of those teams is going to have one loss. And then if Alabama goes to the SEC championship game and loses to whoever makes it of Georgia, Tennessee, I have a feeling that we're going to get Georgia and Tennessee in the playoff. And then it's going to kind of boil down to, you know, Clemson running the table, either Ohio State or Michigan running the table. But I'll start with Diaz on this one. Could we see two, even three teams out of the SEC? make it to the college football playoff two maybe three no just because you know Ole Miss while they're still undefeated I think will lose to Bama and even if they don't I think they'll make the SEC championship and they'll lose to Georgia or Tennessee um, so I think that takes them out of contention I don't think Bama makes it this year and then I also look at how competitive the other conferences are right now like there's still a chance TCU makes it there's still a very good chance UCLA makes it. I mean, a one-loss Oregon team, if they beat UCLA this weekend, has a pretty good case to make the college football playoff because their one loss would be to Georgia, who could be the number one team in the country. And then there's still the potential that you get two Big Ten teams that make it. If Michigan has one loss or Ohio State has one loss, there's a chance they make it. And then obviously I think Clemson – um, could probably run the table right now in the ACC. So I think w when you have this many, we haven't had a year where there's like eight or nine teams, you know, knocking on the door of making the playoff and still have a very good chance of it. So I don't think we, I think two is the max that we see. Three feels like just not possible, but it would be cool to see three teams from one conference make it. Uh, I prefer it wouldn't be the SEC, but that would probably make for the most fun football. So I, I just think two is probably the, the ceiling for them, whether it's Bama, Georgia, uh, Tennessee, Georgia, um, Tennessee, Bama. It's going to be – or even Ole Miss could throw themselves in that mix. But, yeah, two feels like the cap for the SEC. And my immediate reaction was it feels like the CFP picture is clear, and maybe it's not all at the same time. So, I mean, you have a Clemson team that is looking – pretty solid to be undefeated at the end of the year. I hope I didn't jinx that. I got a little yes to make the comp college football playoff bet there, so I'd like to not jinx that, but you're looking at these top nine teams, all undefeated, all pretty solid resumes. Uh, you know, four of them in the SEC that are still going to have to play somewhat of a little round robin, and included in that mix, the only one-loss team is Bama with uh, one-loss Oregon, one loss Oklahoma State, one loss USC lurking on the outside. And, I mean, you go all the way down to 14. There's a 6-0 Syracuse team, Lukey Owens, that's just staring staring the barrel down the face this week. So, uh, I think, like I said, I was just – I'm 
I'm as clear on the college football playoff picture uh, when it comes to like you start breaking down individual teams, but at the same time, it's as muddy as it's ever been, and it's going to be such an awesome second half of the season. Yeah, it is, and I think Tennessee Bama kind of set the stage. And look, I think we all thought the SEC was likely to get two teams in, but it felt more likely that it would be undefeated Georgia and maybe a one-loss Bama that loses to Georgia in the SEC championship. But I think by Tennessee winning this game, it kind of opens up a lot of questions. You know, can Ole Miss hang around with Bama? Because every time Bama has played a somewhat talented team, Texas, Texas A&M, Tennessee, they've struggled. Obviously, they won two of those three games, but they do end up losing this game to Tennessee. So I just think it kind of opens that can of worms. I mean, Ole Miss, this stuck out to me. Ole Miss is two-point underdogs at LSU this weekend. That's a hop line, if I've ever seen one, is, is hammering Ole Miss there. It's a weird one. I know it's in Baton Rouge, but, you know, Ole Miss is a team that's a little bit unproven for, for sure, but they did beat Kentucky. The SECs are so confusing. Like, I, I shout out Will Rogers, and, and Mississippi State does what they did last weekend, and Kentucky looked lost, and they beat Michigan, uh, Mississippi State. Like, the SEC has just been crazy this year, and I think they're kind of the – the driving force of how these, you know, top four are going to play out at the end of the year. I mean, this, Luke, this this is insane as we look at it. I mean, with Ole Miss, they go to LSU, who, despite looking pretty ugly for the most part, is one five straight there, five and two at home. It's Death Valley. It's college football. Anything can happen. You know, Texas A and M three and three. No Anaya Smith. Whatever. You probably chalk that up as a win. Then Bama comes to town, but the next week after Bama, you're going to Arkansas to a team, KJ Jefferson, if he's healthy, I mean, he's a top seven quarterback in the country. You're, you're going to be fighting for your life in this stretch. And then not to mention you end the year with the egg bowl and a Mississippi state team that is no slouch. Like you mentioned, you know, you go to Kentucky, Kentucky's a tough place to play. Stoops has that, that program in a tough spot. I mean, this thing is gnarly. One thing that I did want to, ask while I was just looking at everything is you have UGA, OSU, Tennessee, Michigan, Clemson. I mean, realistically, if say Georgia wins the SEC championship, they're undefeated. You have Ohio State. Uh, let's say they're undefeated beating Michigan. You have an undefeated Clemson. Are those the three? And then you're looking at potentially um, – one loss Tennessee uh, and potentially one loss Bama for that final spot? Or are you guys thinking that maybe one of these pack teams or one of these big 12 teams could make it in over that one loss SEC team? I, I think if, you know, a, a TCU or a UCLA goes undefeated, I don't think either of them, I don't, I, I don't think both of them finish the season undefeated uh, because both conferences have a way of kind of, you know, eating their own where they'll, just beat up on each other. So I think one of those teams does finish undefeated though. I feel like you have to put them in if they win the conference and, you know, there's impressive wins in each conference. UCLA would have to be, they've beaten Utah. They'd have to beat USC would have to be Oregon. And then in the big 12, you know, TCU is to beat K state, uh, Kansas, Oklahoma, um, Oklahoma state. Like they're, they're impressive wins throughout. So their resumes both teams are very strong. So if one of those is undefeated, I feel like they have to get that number four spot. It could be like years past where we see a, you know, a, a Pac-12 team like a Washington make it and, you know, just get beat up on by the number one team. But you have to put them in. While it not, may not be the most entertaining game if you put another SEC team in or another Big Ten team in, you kind of have to put them in just off their resume and going undefeated. I think what's really interesting, because I think right now, gun to my head, it's going to be Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson. Ah, I'll take. That uh, is what's the – I know. So, nuts. so here's what's going through my head right now is what happens if Georgia beats Tennessee, goes undefeated, and then Ohio State and Michigan play a classic. One-point win for Ohio State. Ohio State goes dummies in the Big Time Championship game. I think Tennessee is going to win that argument between Tennessee and Michigan, but that's another argument that comes into play. Like, there's so many hypotheticals. I Because I'm with Diaz. I don't think TCU is going to win out, and I don't think UCLA is going to win out. But the one loss, whether it be Georgia or Tennessee versus a one loss, Michigan or Ohio State, that's another conversation I think that's that could happen at the end of the year. 
I, I still think another one loss team that could still be considered is like a one loss Oregon, like I mentioned before. If they win the Pac 12, their only loss is to Georgia. Granted, they got beat up on, but you still should consider them uh, into that fourth slot because if they win the Pac 12, again, that's wins over Utah, U- UCLA, and USC. That's a real good resume that, that makes it tough for the playoff committee to not put them in just because your loss is to the number one team in the country. I'll tell you what this year will do, though, is it will bolster um, and make that 12-team playoff maybe even come a little sooner than expected. I'll tell you that right now. Because, I mean, this if, if you expanded this season to 12 teams, it, yeah, I know that top feels really closed off, but it like I said, man, it just feels as wide open as ever. Yeah, I think anyone in the top 12 is going to be in consideration. I mean, we'll, we'll move on to this next game and kind of pivot it to the Big 12 where – TCU ekes one out 43 to 40 in overtime. I, I see your reaction hop and I'm going to throw it to you first. Are you going to apologize to TCU? Cause you said they sucked and are you going to apologize to them? I'm not going to apologize for the first three quarters. I'll apologize for the fourth quarter and overtime. Sure. But I think that team, I think that team really got the the holes in it shown. I mean, Duggan was not very good for those three quarters. If you, if you watch the game, I mean, Mike Gundy and company got, (laughs) I saw saw a tweet not to bring politics into it, but it it was a pretty funny tweet uh, about the conservativeness of the offense. I'll, I'll let you connect the dots there. Um, But it was, it, it was bad. Spencer Sanders couldn't throw the ball. He had no time in the fourth quarter. Credit to TCU's defense. But TCU's defense saw a legitimate offense and gave up 40 points, most of that coming in regulation. I mean, you just can't give up. You can't be up 14 and and give that up uh, at the end of the day. It it is what it is. We got the cover. Another Moneyline dog loss. I know Luke is sick of hearing of it, but 90% chance to win with like eight minutes left. Up seven, their own 45, first and 10, Oklahoma State. You got to close that deal. But, hey, I mean, it's, it was a great game. Sad I was on half of the wrong side of it, but what do you do? It was it, it was a good game. I, I'm, but, like I said, TCU, man, I just think the I think the they've gotten the good side of, of everything so far. Um, and with the Big 12 the way it is, I think they're going to get exposed here coming up soon. I'd like for you, if you're not going to apologize to TCU, apologize to me or Max Duggan. Because, um, I mean, say what you want. Max Duggan's a dog. Almost 300 passing yards, three total touchdowns. I mean, he, he he's a dog. I mean, and if they're going to continue to win games, it's going to be on his back. It's Like you said, it's not going to be on the defense. He's going to have to because the defense is horrible. It doesn't matter. Max Duggan, if there's any quarterback that I trust, it's Max Duggan right now. I don't want Stroud. Dennis, I don't want Levis. I don't want Stetson. I can trust Zion Turner more than Max Duggan right Zion, now. Don't Zion start Turner's with good. Zion Turner's good player. Good player. So <laughs> I, I, that, that felt like an insult. Yes, <laughs> I did not think you were going to say throw Stroud and Bryce Young in that conversation. That was that was a turn. Yeah, but I put Max Duggan. That right is. Now. That is. <laughs> I, I go maybe. Tebow, Newton, Duggan, and like Manning, all-time college football quarterbacks after this past game. He's just playing out of you his mind. You make me want to puke. You, that has to be said in jest. There's no way you can mean that. I mean it. Every word of it. I'll tell you that. It, there. I mean, no, but in all seriousness, if like you said, if TCU does win the Big 12 this year and goes undefeated, it's simply not going to be because of their defense. I mean, their defense made plays. I think they had two or they three They did sacks. when they had to, that's for sure. Yeah, they had a pick. I mean, they, they came up big when you kind of needed them to um, in, in certain spots. But, I mean, Duggan and that offense is really what, what's going to carry them. I mean, Kendra Miller, two rushing awesome. touchdowns, over 104 yards. And then um, Duggan's top option, Quentin Johnston, eight catches, 180 yards, a touchdown. There, There's a lot of teams feel – very complete, like even though Bama gave up 50 and lost, they still kind of feel like a complete team. Georgia feels like a complete team. You know, TCU has a handful of guys that are going to continue to win them games, and that only can only take you so far. But right now, they 
they're about as alive in the college football playoff as anybody right now. So, and, uh, and that's because of Max Duggan. This is going to be kind of a lame take, but I feel like Oklahoma State losing this game might be the end of the Big 12. Like, I think Oklahoma State might have been the best chance. I understand TCU beat them. I'm not taking that away, but here's a fun question I'll ask you guys to kind of close out the Big 12. Where does TCU lose if they lose? They've got Kansas State at home this weekend. Then they go at West Virginia, Texas Tech at home, at Texas, at Baylor, home against Iowa State. So I'll start with Hop, then I'll go to Diaz. Where do you see TCU losing, if at all, before the potential Big 12 championship game? It'll be, um, I think, it's tough because uh, uh, they did a really nice job against the run game. Obviously, that's kind of Kansas State's MO, Deuce Vaughn, absolute stud. Um, I think it's either going to come this week because uh, they they know if they get through this game, they have a West Virginia squad that's not that good. Uh, but, I mean, the way Texas played, Austin's never an easy, you know, Memorial Stadium is not an easy place to go play. Gary Patterson um, revenge game, potentially, potentially. Um, but I would say I would say the two best chances are likely this week uh, with Kansas State coming to town or Baylor. Baylor's the only other team other than Ooh. Oklahoma State with a, a legit enough defense to, to where Max Duggan will see if he's a Tim Tiro, Tim Tebow type hero. Um. Yeah, so I, I agree with you on the ground. TCU's defense is uh, pretty good. Um, you know, they play, like you said, K-State's got, got Vaughn. Texas has Bijan Robinson. Iowa State's strong on the ground every year. I think we could see I, – I do think Baylor could be a tough one. I also think Texas Tech could also be a tough one because every year they're just – they're never going to really be ranked. They're always going to just stay in the mix, middle of the pack of the Big 12 – and just make life difficult for teams. You know, they beat, I think, a still a decent Houston team this year already, hung close with NC State, beat Texas this year. I mean, they've got good wins on their resume. They're just not, you know, a very well-rounded team at the moment. And I think that they show up in big moments. So that could be a very tough game, especially at home. Could feel like a bit of a trap game where you're coming off maybe a close win at West Virginia, and then you're maybe thinking ahead to Texas where you have to travel to Austin. I think that's what could really bite them is that they look past Texas Tech and are thinking really about, you know, Quinn Ewers and uh, Bajon Robinson, you know, the following week. So that that's where I think it could uh, happen for them, if any game for the rest of the season uh, is the Texas Tech game. I do have a little fun fact about this game if you guys are into fun facts. Love a good fun fact. Kansas State is the nation's only team that has not, has not thrown an interception this season. Adrian Martinez threw 30 interceptions in four years at Nebraska, about one in every 35 attempts, but yet has none so far in 138 attempts this season with Kansas State. He also never had a Deuce Vaughn at Nebraska, which probably probably helps him a little bit. But no, I mean, uh, my guy, they're impressive. I think I think you're forgetting the long history of great Nebraska running backs. That's right. Amir Abdul is the last good one I can remember. Um, but, yeah, so I think that's kind of where the, the the Big 12 is. How about the Pac-12 where hand up me and Hop? Well, I, I first pointed it out, and then Hop hand up as well. Apparently the Pac-12 got rid of divisions, like, in the middle of the night. It was like when the when the Colts left, when they packed up and left. Like, it was, it was in the middle of the night. No one knew it. But apparently there's no divisions, so all bets are off. Um, UCLA taking on uh, Oregon this weekend, but last weekend USC falls to Utah, forty-three to forty-two, in a game that USC jumped out early, fourteen nothing. They also led by seven late. Utah scores, they get the two, they win the game, and now UCLA, the only undefeated team left in the Pac-12, but you've got a lot of one-loss teams with talent: USC, Oregon, Utah, two-loss team that can obviously hang around with anyone. The no divisions part really intrigues me because I think it makes this race that much more interesting. So I'll ask Hop first, and, and Diaz, you can piggyback. First, you know, how do you kind of see the, the Pac-12 playing on second? You know, do they have a chance of getting either an undefeated UCLA or a one-loss, you know, Oregon, like Diaz mentioned, or a one-loss USC in if they can run the table and win the Pac-12? I think UCLA has done the hard work so far. Um, they've taken care of business within the conference. 
Um, they they took care of the slate so far. Uh, the Washington win was big. Obviously, I mean, they have throttled. I mean, they put up 40-plus points, 45, 40, 42, three straight, week, uh, three straight games, I should say now, not three straight weeks. They're coming off of some um, – they're coming off of some rest here now and are going to go to Eugene and play an Oregon team. Look, what they have to do, UCLA, and it's really going to suck because I think this probably happens. If they split between Oregon and USC and win out the rest of the conference, uh, I mean, that's going to be a one-loss team. They're for sure going to the Pac-12 championship game. They've just done the work required um, between beating Utah and then having Oregon and USC as the other teams, um, since the USC already has one loss, mathematically that just makes sense, right? Um, otherwise, the problem is that when you look at the bigger picture nationally, a one-loss UCLA team, you automatically get discounted. Unfortunately, that's just where the Big Twelve. We kind of just got done talking about where how the Big Twelve and the Pac-12 set up as far as nationally is concerned. Yeah, I, I think their, their best shot, even though like I made the argument for a one-loss Oregon, is still there. It, it's, I mean, that's a little pie in the sky, kind of uh, wishful thinking if you're the the Pac-12, because uh, a one-loss team is going to be very tough to get in, especially with how competitive college football is this year. With like I mentioned, there's like nine teams that have great potential to make the playoff. UCLA going undefeated is probably their best bet, but they still have to play Oregon. Still have to play USC and still have to play national powerhouse Stanford, who had a huge win this past weekend against a very good Notre Dame team. So they, I mean, there's a lot. They they have a, a Tanner pretty- McKee is like Tim Tebow, Max Duggan, and the rest. One of the great college football quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, I'd probably take Peyton Manning off my Mount Rushmore and put McKee there. I mean, he's. Did you see him against Notre Dame? I mean, he looked- uh, brother, I don't know if you watched the Notre Dame game, but Tanner McKee, he looks like a real pro prospect. Good player. Great player. Too. <laughs> One of the best in college football history, obviously. But, but yeah, I don't know who that was an impression of. I don't know. Just me being mean. <laughs> UCLA has got a, a, a tough remaining schedule, but. You know that the the wins against UCLA and US or against Oregon and USC would really bolster their their resume, especially after you beat Utah. Um, before that, they had really no impressive wins. Like the Washington one is was impressive at the time, but looking at where Washington's at now, it's kind of you know dropped off uh, as a resume builder. But Utah, Oregon, and USC, if you beat those three teams and went out, then you've you've built a very good resume, and it'll be tough for the committee to keep them out. Um, a one-loss USC team would be good to see, but uh, the loss to Utah hurts. And then Utah is pretty much out of the picture with two losses now. So they, their final hope right now is UCLA to run the table and win out. So I, I think it's it's very tough, going to be tough for the Pac-12 to make the playoff, but that's their one and only hope. I, yeah. I will say this for what it's worth. I mean, this is actually Luke. You mentioned Ole Miss with me, the Hoppa line. This is a very much Lukey line. Oregon minus six. At yeah, I know. This week. I know. It's a, yeah, yeah. I read that one like a book. But I well, mean, there's a reason why we can't, and that's you know why. I oh, trust me. I'm I'm so aware. Big old Redix over this game. Yeah. But um, <laughs> that's the that's the isn't Saturday yet packed. No, but I mean they could. UCLA, I mean, the talent is just is so good. They could they could really go into Eugene, win this ball game, but you know, that Arizona, if they do win this ball game, that Arizona game is gonna be a look ahead against an Arizona team that likes to air it out. Um, and isn't as ugly as I thought they'd be this year. Um, but I, I mean a home game against USC, wow. At this point, if they beat Oregon this weekend, why couldn't they run the table? Honestly, as as I'm looking at it more, it's just like I think maybe they could. Sorry, my heart's been ripped out of my chest over here. Um, the <laughs> <laughs> that was a baseball reference. Um, the this week though, game of the week, undefeated number fourteen Syracuse at undefeated number five Clemson. Clemson thirteen and a half point favorites. Over under at 49 and a half. I had to sneak this game in. Um, obviously, you know, we've talked Ole Miss LSU is a big game. You said Oregon. 
I think Texas, Oklahoma State. Texas minus six and a half against Oklahoma State was a weird line to me. Is that am I am I on the right? Like that feels weird. Very weird. Um, and then obviously K State TCU is a big one. Bama Mississippi State, but this feels like low key the biggest game of the week. It's a noon kickoff, but Syracuse has had Clemson's number to a certain extent. You know they obviously had the upset one in twenty seventeen. They went down to Death Valley the next year and and played in a close game that they lost. Last couple of years, not so much, but I don't know. Something about Dino Babers going against Dabo gives me a little bit of a little bit of hope. Um, I'm a little worried though because DJU is really good. He he's I've come around on him. He's good. Um, I don't think Syracuse can win a shootout. I just don't think their offense is built for that. I think Schrader is good enough, but he's he's not airing it out. He's not going to match. You know, this isn't going to be a game that Syracuse can win if it's in the 40s. But if they can win a 24 to 20 game. That's kind of what I think the blueprint is for Syracuse is to play that tough defense like they have. They have a great secondary. They've got a great pass rush. Kind of play their game, run the ball while I think they can win. But shootout, I don't think so. I'll tell you what, Lukey Locks, and I don't mean to cut you off, Diaz, if you had something here, but I got I just I got the numbers. I gotta say the numbers. So okay. I I know where you're coming from. I know you want to run the ball as a Syracuse fan, but I really gotta tell you here. Think what you want to do is I want Schrader throwing the ball at least thirty times this week. We've seen. I know you're groaning, but he's looked good. He's looked good back in the pocket. I mean, we've seen this year the story in every game Clemson has played has been, hey, they're gonna get the ball thrown on them, and I, I don't know if the receivers are talented enough. Quite not, you know. I mean, they've given up yards to guys, you know, they gave up yards all over the field to Wake Forest, who is probably the most talented wide receiver core or room in the country. They gave up yards to Zay Flowers uh, against BC, but held them to three points. It's really tough. I mean, I'll, I'll get into the numbers now. Syracuse this year, success rate. With when passing the ball, number six in the country at 54%, 31st in total EPA, and 12th in EPA per play. I know these are metrics. I know some people, and eh, eh, do you like them? Do you not? Whatever. But this is this is what I like to look at. Clemson, their upper, their upper echelon above average success rate, 41 in the country, uh, total EPA at 42. The EPA per play, though, at 40, at, uh, sorry, excuse me, 51 Minus 0.06 per play. I really think Schrader's going to have to throw the ball in this one. But where I think the difference in this ball game is, is I gave you, I gave you last week. I told you Sean Tucker was going to be able to break one. Did I not? I told you that last week yes. at NC State. Yeah, I told you. Here's where it's going to make a big difference. Syracuse against the run defensively. Success rate in the 60s. Total EPA. Uh, almost to 80 and EPA per play at 87 will Shipley very underrated back in terms of the, as of the uh, general national outlook and uh, Clemson when rushing the ball is, is a top 40 program when it comes to most of those metrics, Clemson's going to have to run the ball. Syracuse is going to have to throw the ball. I think Clemson probably running the ball takes too much time off the clock for Schrader. Um, and I think Clemson wins this one close. I did text you though. I will say after this, this monologue is almost done. I did text you though. I said this game being at 12 o'clock, a little bit better than a night game. I think this might be skewing our way towards Syracuse a little bit. I, I got to disagree about having Syracuse throw the ball, you know, Schrader that it against NC state through two picks. I kind of discount the Wagner game because it's the FCS game. And then against Virginia, no touchdowns through a pick. Um, but I'd like to see them run the ball. I mean, Schrader on his legs has been very good this season. He has five rushing touchdowns against NC State, who has a pretty good defense. He had 81 rushing yards. And Sean Tucker against NC State had 98 rushing yards and a touchdown. I think I understand that Clemson's defense is good against the run, but the run has been where, you know, Syracuse has been pretty successful this year. So I'd like to see them try to pound the rock. And I don't really think you want Schrader out there they're throwing the ball 35 times or 30 to 35 times during this game, just because he's proven that he's been inconsistent and you don't want that against a good Clemson defense at Clemson. If it's in the carrier dome, maybe a little different, you know, uh, the JMA wireless dome. Is, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but you, you don't want them. You don't want that. To, you don't want Schrader to be the uh, his arm to be the deciding factor in this game. If you're Syracuse, I think. I don't know how you feel about that, Luke. Yeah, well, the problem is they just don't have a lot of weapons. Like Gadsden's been awesome. Um, his dad, Aranda Gadsden Senior, used to play in the league for the Dolphins, but he. He's been a real revelation. He was listed as a tight end coming in, but he's really played more like a receiver. And outside of him, there's just not a lot of good receiving weapons on the Syracuse team. That's my biggest issue is I just don't know if they have the talent. And I know that the Clemson secondary has kind of been dragged around, but they had some injuries in that Wake Forest game. And like Hop said, Wake Forest receiving room, one of the best in, in the conference. So that's my big worry. Like this reminds me of a game back in, in 2018. Like I mentioned, Syracuse lost 27 to 23. Dungy threw the ball 41 times, but he also ran the ball 15 times with two touchdowns. And that was kind of the blueprint, you know, then that, that's what Schrader could do. He can run the ball. He's not going to throw the ball 41 times, but I don't know. I understand what Hop's saying because to be honest, the, the run game hasn't been great. Like Tucker has had moments, but overall, most of his numbers came against Wagner. He hasn't really had that breakout game yet because look, teams are going to stack the box. They're going to make Schrader throw. He's going to have to throw to win, but I think in an ideal world, he doesn't throw. And I know I'm kind of talking myself in a circle here, but it's going to be tough. I'm Look, I'm never going to say I'm not confident in my boys, and I agree with Hop. The noon kick is certainly going to help, but I think this number is in the double digits for a reason. I'm, I'm a little bit worried that Syracuse hasn't been quite battle-tested. If they had played an NC State team led by Leary and won the week before, I'd feel a little bit more confident, but this is going to be a, a whole different beast, I think, for this group. The one thing I will say is that Tucker on that kind of seal that was like 27 of his 98 yards. I I, I think Clemson wins this ball game. I, I hate to say it, Lukey Locks, but uh, I just think there's too much, too much going on there um, for for Syracuse to overcome. But if they're down, Schrader's going to have to throw anyways. So. Yeah. And look, I'm not, I'm, I, I'm really not mad at, at whatever happens. Obviously you don't want to get the, the doors blown off, but the fact they're bowl eligible after six games is, is mind blowing. This is a team that the discussion was, can they even win four or five games with this schedule? So it's going to be a tough run down the stretch. I'm excited to see if they can even get to eight wins. You know, they've got Notre Dame coming up. They still got to go to Pitt. They've got Florida state uh, wake Forest, So they've got some tough games coming up, but this is going to be, a really fun test. And I can tell you this, like Syracuse is excited for this game. This, this city is excited. It, it's, it's not on to basketball season yet. So I'm just excited for that aspect of the game. And, and it's cool to have, you know, Syracuse actually be featured on the show, which I, I thought would only be as a meme and they're actually being talked about in a game. So uh, that, that's really exciting for me. Um, let's move to the group of five, five. It's a segment we debuted last week. Um, I enjoyed it. Did we jinx a few teams? Maybe um, starting off with the team I'm going to talk about first and that's Georgia Southern. And last week we talked about James Madison, very reluctantly hop had to talk about James Madison, um, but James Madison then lost to Georgia Southern. So shout out Georgia Southern now four and three on the year under uh, AVT. That's right. And Calvin trees. Buffalo transfer. I talked about him last week. 578 yards and four touchdowns for the Eagles. They're also beat Nebraska earlier in the year up in Nebraska. So shout out Georgia Southern. Huge win over JMU, 45 to 38. Previously undefeated JMU. So Clay Helton, look, wasn't made for USC, but he goes back to his roots. You know, I was listening to an interview with him. He's talking about how, you know, He's got the Southern twang. You know, he's used to this kind of this kind of thing. I Georgia Southern's fun. My sister went to grad school there. I've been down there. It's it's brutal in the summer, but if you catch it at the right time, it's it's a nice place to be. So shout out Georgia Southern, four and three on the year. Diaz, who was your uh G55 shout out of the week? So I'm gonna go player and team again. Um, my team, uh, they're not in the top 25 right now, but they have one loss in the season. They're receiving votes. Uh, for the top 25 at a tough one-point win over Gardner-Webb. I'm shouting out the Liberty Flames. Um, that I got a, They got a big game coming up this weekend against BYU, which is the ultimate religion game, I think. Um, kind of throw Notre Dame-BYU out the picture. You got Liberty-BYU. This is the <laughs> hardcore conservative Christian crowd against the Mormons. Either way, 
ginger ale is going to be flowing on the winning campus and it is going to be one electric party. A lot of soaking will be occurring. My player that I'll be shouting out is last week. Almost worse than me shirtless. <laughs> is uh, UConn linebacker Jackson Mitchell, Connecticut guy uh, from Ridgefield, Connecticut. 13 tackles and a sack. UConn does lose by f- uh, four points to Ball State, but I mean, he, he balled out. I think he's still <laughs> top five in the nation in tackles and is really putting on a great year. He's been the heart and soul of that Husky defense. So I'm shouting out the Liberty Flames and Jackson Mitchell. Those are my two for this week. All right. I love those two. Two pretty solid ones for me. I'm going to the Mac. Back to the Mac. Toledo against Kent State. Toledo at home. They're at the top of the Mac. They're playing really well this year. Um, Daquan Finn. Absolutely electric game. Toledo goes down 21 mil. If I were a football fan versus football fan, 21 to nothing at home. They look dead as dead gets. Daquan Finn says, uh-uh, we ain't done. Goes 16 of 22, 263, six passing touchdowns. Adds 14 carries for 87 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Seven total touchdowns. 52 to 31 win for Toledo. They keep marching on. They're at the top of the Mac. I like them to, uh, to stay there and probably win this one. Three and in the conference. The only other three and team in the Mac Luke's Buffalo. So we're with, up, baby. with hop shouting out Toledo hammer Buffalo this weekend. JMU got beat last week after hop shouted them out. So, I, I, for for Luke and I, it's the group of five shout out for for Hop. It's the group of five curse. I think it's what it's going to turn into. It was delicious, dude. KVT throwing for almost six hundo on him. I was like, let's go. How about uh, Toledo and UB being on ESPN Plus is a real crime. That's a game that people want to see, but, but I digress. It's got to be on the Ocho at the worst. Maybe <laughs> ESPN too. Yeah, come on now. Um, but yeah, that, that brings us to our picks, boys. And if you uh, refer to the whiteboard behind Andrew, uh, not a great year for Hop so far. I'm one game under 500. And top dog, Andrew Diaz, having a hell of a year. I don't know what you attribute your success to, but you're the top dog right now. Yeah, I feel like it's going to start coming to an end soon. Um, you know, you can't, you, you can't confident. You can't stay hot this long. Um, you, you really can't. So I am getting a bit concerned as the season begins to wind down. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll keep riding uh, what I'm on right now. I think I'm, what, 14 and 7 uh, at the moment. Yeah, you are. You're 14 and 7. I'm 10 and 11. Hop is 5 and 10. And our trusty producer, Liam Smith. Double Duke. Not even going to say your overall record because you went double Duke, got the cover. And I, whatever you throw out here tonight, I think the boys are going to be riding with. Yeah, well, maybe not because I heard you guys, I heard the whole discussion on Syracuse Clemson. I'm a big Syracuse guy, Luke, not because of you, because of Eric Dungy. That's been stated in the past. I've seen him play Clemson very close. I've seen Dino play Clemson very close. And I like 13 and a half. So I'm going to take Syracuse plus 13 and a half. Wow. And, uh, you guys already did the breakdown on different ways they could potentially expose Clemson. I think the big storyline is that the Clemson fan base, they're such a fickle group of people, and they're up and down, and they hate DJ when he's good, and they love him when he's bad, and that's just how Clemson goes. So DJ's going to have a bad week, and that's just because of Clemson fans. They've put him through an emotional roller coaster. They've told him he's shit all season. Dabo's had to go to the bat for him, and, you know, he, what, 13 unbeaten games, so it's, you know, you can't knock it, but uh, I like 13 and a half. Clemson's going to win. It's, you know, their schedule set up for them to go undefeated and get to a natty, but 13 and a half's too, it's too many points. I love it. I love it, Liam. I'll, you know what? Making me believe a little bit. Making me believe here. Um, I'm not going to take that for one of my picks. I am going to take Penn State in a get-right game, minus four, over Minnesota. Um, I, look, we didn't even talk about it today. I'm glad we didn't. Hop can talk about it, I'm sure. 
Um, Penn State's not very good, at least against good teams, but I think they can they can beat Minnesota. And I was wrong about Minnesota, who was six and a half point favorites against Illinois and got their tails kicked. And I think Penn State, similar to Illinois, run the ball down Minnesota's throat. I think they cover the game. So I'm gonna take Penn State minus four. I'm gonna stay in the big uh the big ten for my second pick as well. Give me a disgusting game. No one should have this game. Give me Rutgers minus three against Indiana. Um, both these teams are very bad. But, 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 Rutgers has a good defense. Indiana does not. I think that's the difference in this game. Look, Piscataway, not the best home field advantage, but it's the birthplace of college football. So let's, let's throw that out there. So I'm going to take Rutgers minus three. And my third pick, it's crazy. I don't know how the boys are going to feel about me doing this because I, I know the discussions we've had about Bo Nix. And Hop says, oh, it's a Luke pick. No, no, don't. We have a pack. I'm looking that line in the face and saying that's a Luke line. Not taking the Luke line. Give me UCLA plus six. Let's the Bo go. Nicks that is growth. That is mental week. health awareness, folks. You have seen a man grow. He has gone from September to the end or middle of October, and he has grown mentally. He is strong. That is a strong man right there. Line, I'm not falling for it because I think UCLA will hang around in this game at the very least. Chip Kelly, shout out Chip Kelly. He's kind of changed his brand to fit what people don't know how to defend nowadays, which is like a great running game. <laughs> like it's, it's crazy what he's done at UCLA. So give me UCLA plus six. Uh, those are my picks. So I have a couple similar ones in my, my spreadsheet, um, but I'm going with what my lock of the week is. And that is Ole Miss plus two uh, traveling to Baton Rouge and playing against LSU. I just think, uh, while Ole Miss still, like you mentioned, isn't you know super proven this year, um, they're they're the number seven team in the country for a reason, and LSU has just not looked sharp, you know whatsoever. Um, while they're five and two, that Florida State game, while it was the beginning of the year, was pretty abysmal. Watching the way they kind of they they gaffs in that Tennessee was not reassuring, and I kind of almost put Ole Miss just a little bit below how I view Tennessee. And I think this game is, you know, it doesn't need to be a big, uh, a big gap, but I think it's a seven to 10 point win for Ole Miss. And that two point spread works in Ole Miss's favor. And uh, they end up winning this game. I, I am surprised that they're underdogs on the road in this game, to be completely honest. Um, my second pick, my group of five shout out team last week, I'm going with Tulane minus seven against Memphis. Two lanes look really good this year. Had I, I still go back to that big win against Kansas State, which is kind of was one of the the dominoes in hurting the Big Twelve. Uh, was them beating uh, Kansas State, and you know they've looked sharp uh, pretty much all year so far. And I don't think Memphis is going to stop that train. So I like two lane minus seven, and then my final pick, uh, Luke. We are in agreement. I'm going UCLA plus six against Oregon, going up north, and like you said, Chip Kelly. I. I Chip Kelly with DTR is so lethal, so scary. It, it's what Chip Kelly did with Mariota, where he tailored the offense to what Mariota could do and made it just put like a bunch of different twists on it so no one could defend it. That's what he's doing with DTR right now. Give me UCLA plus six against Oregon. So I got uh, UCLA plus six, Tulane minus seven, Ole Miss plus two. Those are my picks. All right. So this week we're trying to change the the change the juju. We've done the shirt thing. I'm just going to pick three random games. I'm going to scroll, pick three random games. I'm going to pick a side. We're going to see what happens. First one I landed on UNLV at Notre Dame. 26 and a half is the line. Mm, give me UNLV. All right. UNLV plus 26 and a half. I like. Uh, I like the idea there of UNLV, I don't know, maybe keeping it close in the first half. Um, we're just going to keep going random here. We're just going to see We're going to see what, what happens. All right. Second team, BC Wake Forest, 20 and a half is the line. Insane line, very large. I think 
the power. That's the lights. Oh, we got we're like in the club now. <laughs> that's a, that's the best part about having a two and a half year old. You never know. Wow, Hoppy, you never look better Almost, than right now. Yeah, in the dark. Yeah, that's my wife. Um, <laughs> that's that's why you hear the screaming in the background right now. Actually, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly why. All right, so we are gonna take. I think uh, that was pretty ugly. I think BC probably covers though, plus 20 and a half. All right. Last one of week, please. What happens? Let's see here. We're going and stop. Wow. <laughs> I swear to goodness. Look at that game. What does that say? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Purdue, Wisconsin, Purdue, a two and a half point dog against Wisconsin. They can't defend the password with anything. Wisconsin is horrible. This team is bad. Purdue won't be able to run the ball. I can tell you that right now. Purdue can throw the ball. That's what Brown does. That's what AOC, the Congresswoman, does. Baylor, I mean, not Baylor, Purdue, they're the one below that. Purdue on the money line, another money line dog, Purdue. Take them to win the ball game. I'll be there with our friend Harry, plus two and a half. You can book that ticket right there. I, I like the Purdue pick. I was thinking about it myself. Uh, there's the picks. Got a little chaotic on the stretch, but we got through them. A little disappointed Hop didn't come into the UCLA hole. I feel like that could be a bad, bad omen vibe. But I I think it's a good thing you didn't come down our uh, foxhole, Luke. Yeah, actually, good one. We don't want that. If everybody was so right about I I told you, I literally went back and listened to it last week. I said Penn State first half covered, Michigan for the game covered, not even close. I'm, I'm, that's growth. That real growth is hop not interrupting me from the start to talk about Michigan. I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. So we're really showing growth on this podcast as we chug along. Um, but that'll do it for the show. I'm Luke Owens, of course, joined alongside Big Hot, Andrew Diaz, Liam Smith behind the scenes. We thank him as always. We'll be back here next week to break it all down, preview everything for the next week. That's it for Is It Saturday? Yet? We will see you next week. Not so fast, my friend. <laughs>